Welcome to the Parenting with Huddle Wisdom podcast. My name is Dr. Devin Tan. I'm a dad and I work as a child and forensic psychiatrist. I'm not a parenting expert, but I share mental models and ways of thinking that help you understand yourself and your kids better, which takes a lot of the guesswork out. In this episode of the Parenting with Huddle Wisdom podcast, I'm going to talk about the reasons behind emotional storms or tantrums within the parenting context. Why? Because it leads us to a better understanding of the drivers and the frictional forces that leads to an emotional storm. Prevention is the crux of treatment. I do talk more about what you do in the middle of a storm in my free training video, which you can download on huddlewisdom.com forward slash get tools spelled G-E-T-T-O-O-L-S. You'll get more out of it after listening to this episode. I mean, you get more out of that training video if you listen to this episode. But before I get into all of that, can I just first acknowledge 2023? My goodness, what a big year it has been geopolitically, right, socially, economically, but even personally, personally, you may have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed, I hope you miss me this much, but I've not been around for the last few weeks because I've been going through something and I'm just coming out the other side now. I don't know about you, but my mental health as I'm alluding to, has been up and down, very much impacted by the nature of the work I do. If you're with me on that, hey man, solidarity to us. I'm glad that you're here because parents are people too and I think we need to prop ourselves up and lean on each other from time to time. And I thank all of you out there who I've been able to lean on over the past few weeks. I've learned that problems are just that. Problems. Solutions to problems may not always be obvious, but they remain just as any other thing outside of myself, my family, my friends, my passions, my interests, life. As long as I choose to engage with the world, there is going to be problems. I have to accept that. But I also am not defined by these problems in neither are you. Yes, things can feel very painful. Problems can produce anxiety, angst, sleepless nights, consternation. They sit in our conscious awareness like a thorn. If I keep the pillars of my life strong, my family, my friendships, passions, physical health, I can keep the small world of my problems from pressing down on me. It's, um, it's like in that movie, uh, The Equalizer, Robert McCall. Denzel Washington. <laughs> if you're listening, Denzel. My man! My man! 
Robert McCall says to the young girl he helped in the, the first the first Equalizer film, when she said something along the lines of um, not being able to move out of her stuckness, you know, she, she, she can't leave the world that she's living in. And then Robert says, well, change your world. We have to expand our world. And when that happens, our problems will ha- have less power over us. We might still have a relationship with those problems or said problems, but they become much less prominent in our lives. They don't become the primary relationship. I know it's not easy, but who else is going to make the change for you? Who else is going to change your world for you? All right, enough with the preaching. Let's talk about the reasons children have tantrums or emotional storms. First, it's important to understand emotional upheaval does not happen without there having been some turbulence or frictional force. The storm or the tantrum is merely a signal or a symptom. In fact, I talk even more about this stuff in my upcoming course, The Foundations of Emotional Connection, which you can get on the waitlist for, and I recommend. Of course, I'm going to recommend it because it's my course. HowToWisdom.com forward slash foundations. Get on the waitlist. You get on the waitlist. You also get on my uh, email list. You get lots of goodies, tips, tricks, good stuff for your mind. Not just for you, but also for your kids. Free. Get on the waitlist. HuddleWisdom.com forward slash forward slash. What is slash? HuddleWisdom.com forward slash foundations. What is slish? Anyway, one of the first things I teach in that course is how one makes sense of our kid's temperament. Because temperament is not the same as personality, but these terms are used interchangeably and sometimes synonymously, but they are different. There are differences important differences. Temperament speaks to that uh, inborn tendency that a person has to react in particular ways in uh, certain situations. For example, you you know about so-called easygoing children. You know, they have a temperament that includes um, such traits like low novelty seeking, They might not be very sensory sensitive, low on impulsivity, low on emotional intensity. And you put them in a stressful situation, you know, and maybe they'd just be horizontal asleep. You know, they're like your Robert McCall types. (laughs) It's weird. I can't work out Robert McCall. Is he a psychopath? Is he an empath? Is he laid back? Maybe he's all three. Right? But he's got a temperament that's very laid back. Yeah? But his temperament has been shaped over the years through trauma, 
um, his work and, and you can see his personality, um, has clearly, clearly been damaged, <laughs> clearly been damaged, but he doesn't lose those tendencies to be laid back. You know, he's not impulsive, not very, very emotionally in intense. He might be sensory sensitive. Anyway, I'm getting off topic now. Um, but what was I saying? The complete opposite of that is, well, you can imagine, right? Um, high on impulsivity, high emotional intensity, very sensi uh, sensory sensitive. You put them in a certain situation. Those kids might just experience an emotional storm. Yeah? The important thing is, temperament can be shaped. People can be trained. They will always have their tendencies, but people can learn to adapt to their environments. Uh, a guide that understands their temperaments can coach them through life. Just like any good coach, you might try to prevent them from entering into situations or environments that they might not be prepared for. Every person has a different mixture of temperament traits. And so that's why sometimes in multi-children families, you might find that parents naturally um, resort to different kinds of approaches for different kids. And, and siblings, as you might expect, will struggle with that. You know, they might say, oh, you know, why does Johnny get to do this and doesn't get to do that? That's not fair. But that's how it is. You have to play the cards that you are dealt. It takes time for kids to recognize this and learn this. Don't beat yourself up if you apply different strokes for different folks. It's just the way it is. All right? There are things that you must do, of course, when you do this, um, in order to make sure that your other children aren't scarred for life. No, I'm just joking. Obviously, you know, you're going to do all those good uh, things that I've recommended, which is connection, empathy, compassion, uh, time in, time in, time in with all your kids all the time as much as you can. Now, this is the ideal, of course. But look, we're all busy. But if you're not going to do it, who else is going to do it? You're the parent. Maybe that sounds insensitive, but that's the truth. That's the truth. But you can see how temperament and environment might interact in certain ways to produce a stormy situation. right? Does that mean we should always play defense? No. It means that you start work on proactively helping them to grow and develop skills to manage difficult, hard environments. Again, not easy, okay? Not easy. But again, who else is going to do it? Who else is going to do it? Life has no shortage of opportunities and tests. N no shortage. Life has no shortage of opportunities to test us. But I prefer to think about this as more of an experiment rather than a test. 
When you approach a situation or a problem, look at it as an experiment. You know, you might try one approach, maybe it doesn't work, and then you do something else. Rather than seeing it as a test where you fail or succeed. Life is not really like that. Society makes us think it's like that, but there's lots of grey in life. It's not black and white. All right? We manufacture these uh, dichotomies, these standards, these expectations, which are really kind of meaningless. Anyway, okay, I might go off topic here. Let's go back on track. Go back on track, Devin. Go back on track. Get back on track. So experiments, opportunities. What do we teach our kids? How do we shape them? How do we coach them? How do we curate the environment so that they're not exposed to environments that are too much for them to handle? You can't always do that. You can't always do that. But that's the reality. You can't always do that. Fair enough. However, you can still do something. right? They're better off with you doing something than you doing nothing. <clears throat> Sometimes it's hard to know where to start because there, there might be so many issues, so many problems to look at. Start with the problems that is most important to everyone. How do you know the problem is most important to everyone? Well, you don't know until you have a family conference where you talk to people. <laughs> Start with the problem that is most important to everyone. That is, the problem affects everyone. Don't address any other problem until the selected problem is resolved. Seriously, just leave the other ones for another day. Your kids will love that approach. Kids, today, all the problems which dad thinks are a problem are no longer a problem for us. Don't worry about it. Your kids will love it. Love it. But, let's solve this one problem. I, I had a family with a kid who struggled to organize himself. And I got them to choose one specific struggle and just leave the rest for now. You know, no nagging, no reminding, etc. Nothing about any of the other problems until uh, that one problem of organization was solved. Uh, and the feedback was, oh, man, <clears throat> Devin, that's going to take ages. It's going to take ages to address all the problems that we want to address. And I say, no, 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 just just focus on that one problem. Leave everything. Okay, I don't care if your kid spills the milk. That's not a problem for you right now to worry about. Just clean it up. No, but he has to clean it up. No, 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 no. That's not a problem you're focusing on right now. The problem you selected before was your kid struggling to organize himself for school. That's a huge problem for you. Because you've told me that it's a huge problem for you and everyone. So that is the focus. Focus on that first. Resolve that. How are you going to solve any other problem if you haven't worked out how to communicate 
and collaborate with one another on this one problem. Solve that one problem first. Once you get the hang of collaboratively working out problems together, then you can go and work out other problems. Go for your life. But for now, just focus on one. Oh, so good. So good. Liberating to just focus on one problem. <laughs> How nice. So much better for your relationship if you leave the other things for now. But you'll come back to those problems later, okay? You're just parking them. You're not, you're not being defeated by ignoring them because you're not ignoring them. You're just parking them. You're aware of them, of other problems. Just park them until the problem you selected as the main problem is primary. That's what you look at first. The things you learn from the experience of solving a problem collaboratively together as a family, that sheer focus on just that one thing, those lessons compound over time. Before you know it, it becomes much easier to collaboratively solve other problems, more or less. More or less. Never perfect, but better than where it was before. It takes work for parents to let go of problems. Because it feels like chaos if things are not addressed. It brings me to another important factor or reason why children have tantrums. When a child's natural inclination to explore and gain mastery and exert agency in the world is thwarted by a domineering force, i.e. a strict parent, we can get a collision. Let's do that again. Boom. Right? The same also happens when a tired, exhausted parent loses patience and attempts to exert control in a dominant way. Or when a parent uh, trying to save time towards a child's uh, exploration and play, you get friction. Imagine if this happens with a child who does not have an easygoing temperament. You can see those are ingredients for a firestorm, right? It's not a surprise. Not a surprise then for screaming, yelling, thrashing to be displayed. Maybe parents even join in in the screaming, yelling and thrashing. What else can you do when you're trying to get back control over your environment? You've tried everything else. Oh, you can scream, you can yell, you can thrash. <laughs> but, you know, it's no one's fault. It's just how the ingredients mixed together that produce the friction and then the storm. You can see how parenting is not just about the child. It's also about us and our relationships with our children and our relationships with the problems around us. If you wait till the end of the episode, I'll give you a coupon code for my course, Discipline for the Sensitive Child, aka Empathic Parenting, um, the Empathic Parenting course. Sorry, what am I saying? Uh, parenting with Empathic Discipline or something like that. Anyway, it's a course to help parents 
um, improve their connection with their sensitive kids and how to systematically address problems with them without feeling like you're walking on eggshells all the time or that you're doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing all the time or that you're stymied from doing the thing that you think is right because you're worried that it might traumatize them because they're so sensitive. As I alluded to earlier, um, you know, there, there is a system, there is a way to practice disciplining sensitive kids. Uh, you can check it out on huddlewisdom.com forward slash practice. And I'll give you the code for a discount at the end if you are patient enough with me. Thank you so much for staying with me, my friend. So, okay, learning how to discipline children well starts with maintaining your connection with your child, which, you know, it's very easy in the heat of the moment to lose our cool. And then it, it disrupts and um, it disconnects us. Obviously, that's not going to help our kids feel secure, nor does it help us feel secure over the long term. Nor will it facilitate trust. Trust is important when you want to be a positive influence in your child's life. When we lose our cool, we lose the connection because we're too focused on trying to control the storm. Which is, if you recall, not the actual problem. When we focus too much on the storm, we lose sight of the underlying wounds, pains, conflicts, and frictions. That's what we want to address. Sometimes it means we have to wait for storms to pass before we can get near to the underlying issues. Devin, does that mean that you, uh, you get to be hurt or mistreated as well in the storm? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can still exert boundaries, of course, but bear in mind the storm is not the problem, it's just a signal that there is a problem. You still have to set boundaries, right? You, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to be physically hurt, abused, you might be manipulated. But, you know, the storm is not the problem. The storm is not the problem. It's just a signal that a problem exists. And it's now our job to figure out what that problem is. And clearly, that problem is going to be important to everyone. So, that is the problem you're going to focus on. And you forget everything else. I dig deeper into this in the uh, Empathic Discipline course. Go and check it out. But hopefully this is helpful to you as well. Because you know, some of this stuff is quite fundamental. Um, and it's good that if you can understand some of this stuff, it um, will still help. I believe. I believe. I believe I can fly. In the heat of the moment, you can set boundaries without argument, without anger, without vengeance in your heart. Be like Robert McCall. <laughs> it's not easy. Sometimes it feels impossible at times. But just remind yourself that 
Your child is not deliberately choosing to act poorly or maliciously. Sometimes it feels like that. Yes, I know. I know. But it's not true. It's not true. No child wakes up in the morning thinking, man, I'm going to cause so much trouble for my parents today. I'm going to do it because that's who I am. No, it's not true. It brings me to my next point. The level of insight and intelligence a child has does matter. <laughs> it also brings me to my sub point, which is the level of insight and intelligence a parent has also does matter. By the way, no such thing as a good or bad parent, okay? It's just parents who know some stuff and parents who don't know some stuff. You, my friend, will know some stuff, okay? <laughs> okay, so some children, they just need extra support and help, right? Having said that, even intelligent kids or so-called intelligent kids with certain temperaments will struggle in certain environments. But levels of awareness and insight does matter. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with intelligence, actually. Actually, no, I'll go ahead and say it's got nothing to do with intelligence. It's about insight and awareness and uh, having some foresight, some understanding about what kids can and cannot tolerate in certain environments. Parents have to be proactive in their management around this as much as is possible. Oh, but Devin, isn't that a cop-out? Shouldn't we, haven't you said, you know, we should be preparing our kids for the road, not the road for our kids? Well, yeah, of course, of course. But, you know, if, if down the road is Mount Everest, are you just going to let your kids climb it? No, that's stupid. Of course not. Now don't get me wrong, we still have to prepare our kids, okay? But if they're about to climb Mount Everest and die, that's stupid. Parents, yes, you have to be proactively managing and trying your best. You can't always manage every situation because it just make you out to be a control freak. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's a balance and... Finding the balance takes time. Just start doing this stuff and you're going to have to do some learning, okay? There's only so much that I can teach you. I, I can't prepare you for every situation. I can only give you the mental models and frameworks and ideas which you can then incorporate into your own life and apply into your own particular special situations. Only you know what is going to be appropriate for you. Kids develop and change. They can be like moving targets. There's even more reason to have an understanding of how you can connect with your kids in such a way that you, you get to know them every day. Every day you get to connect with them in an authentic, real, awesome way. Do my course. <coughs> Do it. Some kids might lack the insight that, you know, certain environments or pressures might make them lose their minds. 
like Mount Everest. You know, a kid going down the road. Man, look at that big mountain. It's so high. It's so high, I want to climb it. And the parents just in the background there on their on their phones, scroll doom scrolling through Instagram. You know, certain environments make our kids lose their minds. We have to be cognizant of this. Like too much screen time. Man, that's a whole nother topic. Okay. Now I don't necessarily think that screen time is evil. Okay? It's not evil, it's a tool, yes. But different strokes for different folks. I have had some adolescents who I see in my work where screens are the devil. <laughs> they are the devil for those kids. And I've said before, uh, one ki kid in particular, um, I said, okay, look, <clears throat> no screens. No screens for this kid, please. Please, my goodness. And then, oh, you know, but ah, we we set limits and you know they only they only has this amount of time. And it, guess what? Next day has some screen time and then it's three hours of Fortnite. Right? Moves into GTA. You remember that? Grand Theft Auto. Parents say, Oh, that's probably enough. Let me let me just turn off the computer. Disaster. It's the devil for some kids. For other kids, hmm, not so bad. You have to understand your kid's temperament. You have to understand the situation. You. That's why you know, connection is so important. Also, some kids are so insightless that they do not know what their limits to their freedom is. Parents have to hold some responsibility for that. And parents have to take drastic action sometimes. Okay. Ah, and now we come to rules. So sometimes, I, I do think that sometimes you have to bend rules if they turn out to be unreasonable. How do you know if rules are unreasonable? Well, ask yourself this. Does breaking the rule or bending it cause harm? Does it result in personal safety risks, risk to others? You know, what are you trying to accomplish by sticking rigidly to a rule? Mary and Ian Grant of The Parenting Place said, Rules without uh, reason equals rebellion. Right? If you have... Rigid rules, overbearing strictness, that's that's a recipe for a storm, especially if your child has some insight and awareness. And if they have the sort of temperament that is not easygoing, when that child is frustrated, it will be incredibly frustrating for them, holding on to an unreasonable demand that has no sense, nor does it match a child's stage of development. It won't. It, so, sometimes we, of course, of course, I'm not saying we should just break rules. I'm just saying have a think about your rules. Because sometimes we restrict kids unreasonably. Um, and, you know, it's, okay, so for example, 
Um, imagine yourself in a social social situation with your kids. Sometimes parents, we we can feel a little bit embarrassed um, that our kids are making a lot of noise, right? And then we we hold on rigidly to I don't know, but say you have a rule of of you know quiet voices, guys, quiet, quiet, quiet voices inside. But it's so exciting here, Dad. God, it's cool stuff. Yeah, I know, but it's an it's an outdoor art, art gallery. Quiet voices. But we're outside. We're outside. We're not inside. Yeah, but but quiet voice. See now the rule starts to seem a little bit crazy. Or may, oh sorry, inside. What about if it's an inside art gallery? Look at all this cool stuff, Dad. So colorful. Crazy looking um, sculptures and stuff. Man, that's that's very colorful, very cool. I want to make noise because I want to celebrate this, Dad. Now you're telling me to be quiet. Inside voice. But then there's all this kid-friendly looking stuff. Why is everyone looking at us? And why are you getting so upset, Dad? We, we should be excited. You know, there, there are these rules that adults put in place because we... We feel self-conscious about other people, other people's judgments. Maybe that's for parents, each individual parent to work out. Actually, it is, you know, it is something for you to work out. Anyway, what I'm saying is, think about your rules. Think about the reasonableness of them. Um, and it is different strokes for different folks. Unless, of course, you know, bending a rule equals harm. Which, which then you might want to consider, actually, maybe we should stick rigidly to a certain rule. <clears throat> but, you know, if we say no, 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 no all day to a child's harmless explorations, we'll eventually get resistance, which eventually turns into rebellion, resentment. You have to be reasonable. The child's storminess is an un understandable response to our unreasonableness. And what else can they do? What else can you do? You know, and, and if you hold on to an unreasonable demand, it, it creates more restriction, oppression, which begets more rebellion. Long story short, sometimes trying to figure out our kids means we need to figure out ourselves too. Now, if you are set on a rule, then please let your yes be yes and your no be no. Of course, we are going to vacillate from time to time. That's just human nature. It depends on circumstances. But for the most part, on average, if you're consistent, that's great. It's usually when you, when you see uh, situations where there's a lack of consistency, you know, where sometimes yes is no, sometimes no is yes. Very confusing. Uh... And and then and then you add two parents into it. Oh, sometimes yes is no, sometimes no is yes, and then it's the other way around with the other parent. Very confusing, very inconsistent. It breeds insecurity. So being on the same page with your partner, your spouse, is really important. If you are going to have a set rule, make sure both of you agree that it's a reasonable rule to be rigid about. Have conferences, debrief at the end of the day. Yes, you're tired, but man, it's worth it. 
it's worth it. It's worth having a daily debrief conference with your spouse about how the day has gone with the kids and to talk things out. It's actually really time worth spent. Um, the, the less of that conferencing you do, I think that's correlated with uh, the, the, the um, uh, frequency or regular regularity of conflict between spouses, spousal conflict, I think. I think. I'm sure marriage counselors out there will probably scold me for such um, uh, for such stupid sort of statements. But, um, you know, it's just my observation. Just my observation. Okay. I mean, that, okay. All right. That's probably enough to chew on now, my friends. Normally, it's not just one thing, one factor colliding with another. It's usually a mixture of things. Things happening in the child. Things happening in the environment. Things happening with you. And then all mixing up. Mixing up in there. For example, you have a high energy kid in assembly colliding with a tired teacher who would just like some darn order for once. Booge! Always ask yourself, what is the emotion underneath the noise? What is the, the wounding that's happened here? What is causing the friction that's led to a storm? Connect with that and not the noise. Yes, easier said than done, but it can be done. Also consider... Could the kid be hungry, angry, tired, right? Do they have medical problems, right? Is this emotional tantrum, emotional storm out of character? Is it out of the ordinary for them? Does it signal some kind of um, health-related issue? Consider, do you need to remove accelerants, things that feed the fire? Maybe your own emotion? Are you continuing to dominate and frustrate the child in a power struggle where I'm right, the child is wrong? Right? What does that say about us if we're getting into these sorts of power struggles with children? Revisit the free training video, please, my friends, on emotional storms. HuddleWisdom.com forward slash get tools g-e-t-t-o-o-l-s i'll also put a summary up about um, this stuff on my blog and the website um, if you want to dig deeper and learn how to address frictional forces and address problems systematically with sensitive kids or you're struggling to um in your approach to to, to disciplining sensitive kids jump on and enroll in the on-demand audio course um, huddlewisdom.com forward slash practice p-r-a-c-t-i-c-e p-r-a-c-t-i-c-e and you can do it in your own time and he, the code is for the discount connect in caps uh, in capital letters connect c-o-n-n-e-c-t don't tell you I didn't give you anything for Christmas okay well thanks for hanging out my fellow huddlers I hope that was useful to you Man, Christmas very soon. Christmas! Five days time. Happy New Year. Belated Happy New Year. Bring on 2024. I will see you next year, my fellow huddlers. So good to have you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. And shout out to my American listeners. 
89% of you are American. Wow, incredible. Before, it was like 50% America, 40% New Zealand. And then, hello, my Spanish Portuguese listeners. I've got a couple of French listeners, German listeners. For a time, I had some people in India, some people in Africa. Crazy, man. Internet, the interwebs, amazing. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here with me. My name is Devin Tan. This is the Parenting of Tuttle Wisdom podcast. Thank you for joining me. I hope you go well. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.